Let us now read from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 15, the verses 11 through 32, dealing with the parable of the lost son. Then he, that is Lord Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Now let us turn to our confession, Heidelberg Catechism, to Lord's Day 2. Here we find a summary of God's word as follows. How do you come to know your misery? The law of God tells me. What does Christ's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in summary in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
Can you live up to all this perfectly? No. I'm inclined by, I'm inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. Beloved congregation, brothers and sisters, home, that's where we are most comfortable, isn't it? There we are surrounded by the things that are familiar to us. That's where we know we can find things, things that we need and where we have access to them. When we're at home, we're free. That's where we have our favorite chair, our own bed, and our own possessions. And that's also where we are surrounded by loved ones. And that is where we are comfortable with each other. And that's where we can speak our mind and be ourselves. When you're away from home, then you miss your familiar surroundings. It's hard to be away from home, especially when you're young. The farther you are away from home and the less familiar the place is, the harder it is. And the longer you are gone from home, the more miserable you feel. Lord's Day 2 deals with our misery. In the original German edition, the word Elend is used. In Dutch, Elende. It means out of the land, a land. And so essentially it means away from home. Misery has to do with being away from home. We can all identify with that. No doubt children in this congregation can as well. Sometimes your parents must go away and can't take you along. Then you have to stay at somebody else's house. And then while your mom and dad are gone, you miss them, don't you? You can't wait to be home again. And that's not just the case with children, but also when you get older. Let me tell you a story about that. At one time I spoke to an old woman. She was well into her 80s and was reminiscing about her younger years. She told me about a time when she was 25 years old and was engaged to be married. She was still living at home. In those days, you did not leave home until you were married. It just wasn't done. And also, you couldn't afford it. But then, one time she had a falling out with her mom and dad. Her fiancé's mother had broken her neck, and it appeared that she was on her deathbed. Her fiancé wanted her to come with him to the hospital to visit her. But even though she was 25 years old, her own parents did not allow her to go. She still had chores to do. When you lived at home, you were expected to pull your weight. But she went anyway. Her fiancé insisted that might be the last time she could speak to her fiancé's mother. Her parents were angry with her for defying them, especially her mother. And because she obeyed her parents, she was not allowed to come home anymore. She was no longer welcome, nor was her fiancé. Most of her brothers and sisters even sided with their parents. Her mother was a hard woman who did not tolerate dissent. But while she was away from home, she was miserable. She did not like that she had a falling out with her parents. She missed the comforts of home. After about three or four months, she talked to her dad and told him that she was sorry about the quarrel and asked him if she was again allowed to come home. He embraced her and said, of course, we missed you. 
And so difficult as it was, she went home again and reconciled herself to her mother. It was worth it to her, for in spite of everything, she still loved her parents. And her parents also loved her. Being away from each other made them all feel miserable. It drove them again into each other's arms. That's also the way it is with our Heavenly Father's home. Except when it comes to our broken relationship with Him, it is totally our fault. And the knowledge of our sins and misery must teach us why we want to be home with Him and that we want to be home with Him. And that's what I will preach to you about this afternoon. The theme is as follows, our sins and misery teach us the comfort of home. First, look at how far we have wandered from home, and the second place, why we wandered away from home. The Catechism tells us that we know our misery from the law of God. But what does that mean? This can be easily misunderstood and abused. We could, for example, use the law as a checklist. Just like a mechanic has a list to see how roadworthy a car is. He will check the tires to see if there is enough tread left. And then he will check the brakes. Is there enough brake fluid? If not, he'll top it up. He will check the oil. Is it low? Does it need changing? And what about the timing belt? And what about the other belts? And the radiator? And so forth and so forth. And so he has a whole checklist to ensure that everything is in good working order. If not, then that must be fixed first. Only then will it be roadworthy. Now, some people think that the law is such a checklist as well. They ask themselves, how well am I doing in the keeping of the law? Let me see, is God number one in my life? Well, I regularly go to church, I pray, I read the Bible, I do my best to lead a Christian lifestyle. Check. And what about using God's name in vain? Well, I never blaspheme. I don't curse like people at work. Check. And stealing? Well, I don't do that either. I'm also faithful to my marriage partner. I don't cheat. Oh, sure, I'm not perfect in all these things, but I'm sure a lot better than most others. I think I'm okay. And that's how the rich young man used the law as well, as a checklist. He had examined himself and concluded that he did not murder, commit adultery, steal, and did not give false testimony, and that he honors his father and mother, and that he loves his neighbor as himself. All these commandments I have kept, the young man said to the Lord Jesus. What do I still lack? He wanted a pat on the back from Jesus and to be commended for what he had done. But brothers and sisters, that's work righteousness. That goes against scripture. It goes radically against what the gospel is all about. And yet, that's how we all tend to look at the law. We always want to go back to the idea that we can earn a place with our Father in heaven with something that we have done. The Judaizers wanted to do it regarding the keeping of the Old Testament ceremonial laws. And the Roman Catholic Church 
want to do it with good works, and the Arminians as well. And so do those who think that our faith makes us worthy in God's eyes. Although we as Reformed believers do not make the same mistakes doctrinally, but because of our sinful pride, we still have the same tendency and elevate the law as a condition for salvation rather than a show of thankfulness for salvation. And so we think that as long as we keep the law of God to the best of our ability, we're okay. God wants us to keep the rules. And as long as we do that, there's no problem. But think about that carefully. God does not want obedience in the first place. He wants your heart. He wants your love. Just imagine if the lost son had done the same thing. Suppose he only wanted to get out of the tight spot that he got himself into. And he says to himself, well, look at what I've done. I've made a mess of things. I've squandered my father's money, and now I'm in deep trouble. What can I do? I have nothing left. Anything is better than I have now. And so let me find a way in which I can get back into my father's home. At least then I'll still have a square meal every day. And so I will keep the rules of my house that my father has set. That'll be worth it. If that's the attitude that he had, then he never really repented. He would not have had a change of heart, for he would still be using his father for his own selfish ends. The only reason he would want to return home would be to get himself out of a difficult situation. He would only be opportunistic. And the same thing is true of the rich young man. Note well the question that he asks Jesus. He asks him what good thing he must do to get eternal life. He only thinks about what he can get for himself. That's his only interest. It's only about external obedience. And that is why answer 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism is right on the money. It doesn't give you a whole list of do's and don'ts. It doesn't come with this commandment and that commandment and with this rule and that rule. No, it tells you about love. It tells you that you must love God and your neighbor. And here we come to the heart of the matter, literally and figuratively. The keeping of the law is not about you or me, nor about how we can earn ourselves a place in heaven. No, it is about our relationship with God and with our neighbor. It is about the heart. And it is only when you understand that fully that you can have a happy life and that you can experience the real comfort of home. Imagine if that were that way in your own home. The only thing you're concerned about is your own comfort and well-being. You don't really care about anybody else. It doesn't matter to you that you deny others their comfort and rights. No, you want the best things of home for yourself. And so you just go through the motions of keeping the rules of the house. And that's the extent of it. For the rest, you do whatever you feel like. You don't contribute anything except for the bare minimum. You can well imagine that such an attitude will cause all kinds of friction in the home. Your parents or your husband or your wife 
will soon get on your case, for your heart is not in it. You love yourself more than you love anybody else. You're not doing your share, and they will be angry with you, and you will show, and that will show in their disappointed faces. And so ultimately, you do not learn your misery by looking at the law as such, but by looking at the lawgiver, your Father in heaven. When you look him in the face, you see the disappointment on his face and will realize how selfish you are in the way that you behave. That is what the law does. It holds it up like a mirror so that you can see yourself. And that's why we have the law read every Sunday. Ultimately, you learn your sins and misery by looking at Jesus Christ. He teaches you. That's also what it says in Galatians 3 verse 24, namely that the law was put in charge. Why? To lead us to Christ. In Lord's Day 1, we were introduced right away to him. It is only because of him that we can have comfort in our Father's home. It is only because of him that we can have access to all the riches that are found in our Father's home. For we belong to him with body and soul. Our older brother, the Lord Jesus, bought us with his precious blood. In this way, he made us part of God's family again. And therefore, Lord's Day 2 cannot be understood without Lord's Day 1. You have to realize the love of God through Jesus Christ. It is only then that you can see your own sins. When you look at him, then you have to ask yourself, why did he have to die? Why did he have to empty himself of the glory he had with his Father in heaven? Why did he have to give up the comforts of his heavenly home? And why did he have to allow himself to be forsaken by God? Why did his Father in heaven have to push him away from him? And the answer comes then clear. It is because of my sin. And it is because of my inability to do any good. Christ is the one who kept the law for us. And if you see the wonderful things he has done for us and the great love that he has for us, then you also realize what you and I have done and how far you and I have walked away from home. When we come to that realization, we will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The question is, why did we wander away from home in the first place? The second point, what was the reason? Well, we must go back to paradise, to Adam and Eve. The Lord God gave them a most beautiful home. They had everything they could possibly want, but then they sinned. They wanted more. They wanted to go their own way. They thought only about themselves and not about their Heavenly Father who supplied them with everything they had. And so they spoiled the atmosphere in their home. And because of that, they had to be expelled. And that's the way it has been ever since. Now it is still our nature to want to please ourselves at the expense of our relationship with God and also at the expense of our relationship with our neighbor. And that is why the Catechism says that we, by nature, hate God and our neighbor. And perhaps you think that that's a bit exaggerated. 
But there is a lot more to this than we are willing to admit. We may even have some sympathy for the younger son. We may think, oh sure, he grabbed the opportunity to try to make it on his own, but isn't that a natural thing to do? Don't we all want our independence? Perhaps he should not have squandered the money the way that he did, spending it on prostitutes and high living. But was that the worst sin? Don't we all do stupid things at times, especially when we're young? Was that so terrible? No, it wasn't. But what he in reality did was much worse than that. For look at what he did. He said, in effect, Father, as far as I'm concerned, you can drop dead. You're nothing to me. You may think that's an exaggeration, but that's how it was. The only thing that tied him to his father was his father's money. For the rest, he didn't care about him. His heart was cold. He cared only about himself and his own pleasures. But then in the end, thankfully, he realizes what he has done. He humbles himself and says to him, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's true. That's precisely the way it was. For he has severed all ties with home. And that's also the picture that God wants us to have of our own sins. The fact that we have sinned and sin all the time means that we have severed our ties with the Lord God. And we do that time and again when we sin. When we sin, we place God outside of our lives. Then it is as if he is dead to us. And that's why we have to be called back. We have to repent. We have to be called home. For we continue to walk away from home. And before we know it, we could end up in a ditch someplace. We walk away from our Father all the time, don't we? We don't want to keep the rules. We want to create our own comfort. But if he realizes what it means to be away from home, from the Father, then you know that only with him can you be happy. For your true riches lie with him. Your true riches are not found here on this earth. And you see, that's the mistake that the young the rich young man made. He only thought about himself and the earthly comforts that he had. He did not want to give that up. And the terrible thing is that he did not realize the true riches that he rejected. The true riches that could only be found by following the Lord Jesus all the way. One of the hardest things for you and me to do is to examine ourselves and to realize our own misery. We look at how well we are doing in this life and are quite satisfied with ourselves. And that is because we look just at the periphery of how we function in society. We look at the outside and conclude that generally we are functioning quite well. Thank you very much. Oh, sure, we have our moments, but by and large, we're not such bad people, are we? We do what we need to do and get along with most people quite well. But in order to realize your sins, you have to go deeper. You have to look at yourself. You have to look at your heart. And if you truly examine your heart, then you also see the dark side. Then you see how your temple, your temper, your impatience, how you treat others, your irritability, your judgmental attitude, 
your selfishness, your greediness, etc., hurt your relationship with others, and especially with the Lord your God. We are very observant when it comes to the behavior of others, aren't we? We really feel it when they step on our toes, and also the toes of loved ones. We see how selfish those people that do that are, and how they do not take others, especially yourself, into consideration. It's easy for us to be critical of others. But oh boy, as it comes to criticism of our own behavior, often we are blind to our own conduct. Some people never consciously reach inside of their own hearts to see how they behave and how others see them. They're blind. They keep on doing the same selfish things and yet go around as if they have it all together. They never look inside of themselves. It is as if they have an impenetrable steel plate in their head and around their heart. But that's what God commands from, demands from us. He wants us to realize our miserable condition. He wants us to realize how far we have walked away from him. From him. For when you are away from your father, then you experience misery in the deepest sense. But at the same time, you also experience great joy. And those two must always go together. Think about David and how that functioned with him. Think about how he suffered when he no longer felt his heavenly father's presence. In Psalm 32, he expresses his feelings. He says that his bones were wasting away because of his groaning all day long. Day and night, he says, he felt God's heavy hand on him. His strength, he said, was sapped as in the heat of summer. Talk about misery. That's how he felt when he no longer experienced God's presence. But he was allowed to come home again. When he realized how he had sinned against God and after he confessed his sins from the heart, then God once again opened the door to him. He rejoiced. He said in Psalm 32, verse 7, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. At home with God, he felt safe. He felt protected. He felt wanted. He once again experienced the joy of salvation. He was no longer full of fear and anxiety. Brothers and sisters, when you realize your sins and your misery, and when you confess your sins, then the Lord God also opens his arms to you, just like the father did in the parable of the lost son. When the son came home, there was no guard in front of the Lord who said to him, in, in front of the door, what are you doing here? You no longer belong here. No, his own father opened the door to him. And that's also the way it is for you and for me. Our father in heaven also opens the door to us. And he does that time and again. For we walk away from him all the time, don't we? We sin against him day in, day out. But every time again, he forgives us our sins and opens the door wide. And you know who that door is, don't you? That door is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says about himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
the door is Jesus Christ. Because of him and through him, we may enter. It's a great miracle that time and again we may come home, isn't it? Doesn't that show God's great love for us? We have to realize how rich we have it in God's home. We may not wander away. We may not wander away, not because of the riches he gives us in the first place, but because of the relationship that he has established with us. It's all about God's love for us and our love for him. Look at what that young man did in the parable of the lost son. He received all that money, his inheritance. At first he thought that he had run the jackpot, and he lived it up. He had a great time, but it was an empty life. Soon reality set in. He examined himself in the right way. He did not just look at the outward obedience, but he examined his heart. And it is then that he repented, truly repented. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God wants us to be home with him. And he has done everything possible to make that happen. There is nothing that stands in the way except that we too must want to be home with him. We must believe that he is our loving father in heaven who likes nothing better than to have his children around him. And so, brothers and sisters, believe. Believe God's sure promises that he will be a father to all those who want to be in his presence. And then the Lord will call you home, home forever. Amen.